Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. guys welcome back to the podcast today sitting down with us i have coach timmerman he is the offensive line coach at grayson high school it's in loganville georgia did i write that down right yes sir all right thank you for coming on my lonely little podcast here it's nothing too big trying to make it bigger but it's not nothing too too fancy oh absolutely i always love talking ball man love getting getting on the opportunity to talk with people and uh just uh just hash things out yeah, uh, people should know who you are from Twitter and social media, but if they don't, they live under a rock, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I just try to put some stuff out there that people will enjoy. Well, offensive line coaches should know, I guess. Like, yeah, maybe so. Because we have our own language. I tell yeah. people that as O-line coaches. We have our own language. And they go, what do you mean? I said, we're the only ones that can bring five starters, at least, together and hatch things out in a matter of a minute. Yeah. And quarterbacks and and wide receivers, they have to have whisper. They have to like whisper sweet nothings in their ear. We can say other things. Yeah, it's a totally uh, it's a totally different world down there in the trenches. That's for sure. Because I coached quarterbacks for about a year and a half, and I loved it and hated it. I loved it because I could just stand there and talk about mechanics. I hated it because I was like, you guys don't hit nobody. Yeah, like I, I couldn't do it, and then on the sideline, because I was the OC too. So on the sideline, guess who I would talk to? The very first person was quarterback, and I'm trying to talk to him like an old line coach. I was like, "This isn't working." Yeah, I'm, I'm not the quarterback whisperer. I'm like, "This is not working." <laughs> yeah, different, um, different communication goes on down there with the uh, with the big boys. That's for sure. Because we had an actual old line coach, and I was like, "You could do your thing. I'll go coach something." Because I was the OC, I was like, "I want you guys to be comfortable. You go do your thing. I'll go." do where we don't have a coach we didn't have a quarterback coach i said screw it i'll do it and i loved it and, I, and then i hated it yeah the funnest part was the competitions i do with the throwing the the, the dumpster the garbage cans and oh yeah yeah <laughs> but then i i'd always peek over at the old line when they're throwing because the warm-ups were throwing mechanics and all that and i'd look over at the old line like are they doing their job yeah yeah uh, it's uh like i said it's um it's a totally different world between a lot of other positions. And um, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, O-line coaches in particular are, are kind of a special group. Um, you know, you see the hot football chat on Twitter and stuff. And you see, I think, 
you know, I, I, I just kind of from what I've observed, it seems like OL coaches are usually kind of the most uh, proactive guys, you know, when it comes to, you know, putting clinics together and stuff or getting together and talk ball. Um, I guess, you know, everybody's just trying to share and get better at their craft. Yeah. When I first started this podcast, like I told you, it was an interview and I talked to certain O-line coaches and I came up with a stupid question. And I'm going to tell you why it's kind of stupid, but I almost had a point. I would ask coaches, is there a shortage of like true O-line coaches now? Because I'm at my fifth high school right now in 12, I've done this for 12 years at my fifth high school now. And the last two brought me on because they said, well, you need a true O-line coach. We've had linebackers coaches go try to do it or whatever. We need a guy that played O-line, coached O-line. We need this. Yeah. And I started to think about it because everybody that wants to talk to me to hire me is like, we need an O-line coach. That's O-line. And I'm like, is there a shortage of O-line coaches? And I'll tell you what other coaches told me. Some said no. They're just like, it just depends on where you're at. Some said, well, think about it. Back in the day, O-line coaches were the OCs, kind of, because Mm -hmm. they looked at the run game. Now you're seeing quarterback coaches kind of OCs because, you know, we've gone to these spread offenses and RPOs. And so some said yes. like, And they also said because it's difficult because you have five things going on at the same time. No doubt. Whereas – yeah, quarterback. I've coached quarterbacks. It's hard, but like if you're an RPO, it's like, hey, you're just reading this or this. As an online coach, it's like, what technique are they in? Where was the linebacker? The footwork, right. double teaming. So, do you think it's a shortage, or, or am I just stupid, or is it like it's too hard? I don't. I don't know if there's necessarily a, a shortage. Uh, I mean, I think, I think offensive line is a, is a position that has really undergone a, a renaissance the last few years in terms of. Um, the, the verbiage that we use and, and how we teach things. Um, and I think, I think the biggest problem is that there are too many guys out there that want easy fixes for things. Um, and that they think that you can fix issues along the offensive line with, with simple solutions like, Oh, well just go hit the sled or go get under the chute or that's, I mean, that's not how it works. Um, I mean, you know, they, maybe they used to think that, you know, several years ago before I started getting involved in this, but, um, I think the I think the biggest problem is people try to find simple solutions for problems that are not as simple as they appear on the surface. Um, and so I think that's the biggest issue. And I, I think um, a lot of people don't don't have the time or the patience or the energy or, or whatever you may want to call it to to kind of study and, and get in and and acknowledge that, you know, offensive line play is about movement Um it's about, it's about moving efficiently. Um, and, and you have to figure out a way to go and move another human body. And, and yeah, I mean, you can get in all the, you know, you got to have a, a, you know, a a get after him attitude and you got to be tough and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, like you got to be able to give your kids actual tangible feedback on how to get their job done. And, and, you know, fire off the ball or, or, or whatever, or, or get low. That's, that's not, in my opinion, that's not tangible feedback. That's not something that you can, you can, you know, correct and demonstrate. Um, but it's, but it's, but it sounds nice. Um, you know, it's to me, it's no different than, you know, when a wide receiver drops the ball or whatever, you know, what's the most common thing people say, catch the ball. Well, obviously, you know, <laughs> obviously, why didn't he catch the ball? Um, was, was his, was his route not correct? Was his hand placement not correct? Were his eyes not in the right place? Like what's, what's tangible feedback that you can use to fix the problem. Um, and so I think that's the biggest problem is, like I said, people want 
these these immediate fixes to problems that you can't necessarily fix immediately. Um, and sometimes people don't like to hear that, but that's just kind of the nature of the position. Uh, offensive line is a position that involves skills and movements that are unlike any other position in football. Um, and it's it therefore it requires a different level of, of coaching and a different level of training um, that I that I think um, some people have been kind of reluctant to to get on. Um, I think fortunately you're seeing a lot more coaches em, embrace the um, kind of science behind O-line play, um, if you want to call it that. Um, but I think that, like I said, the biggest problem is people are, you know, wanting easy, easy fixes and it doesn't always work that way. Right. There's a, um, a couple of coaches up here and they run fist football. So it's just O-line and D-line training. Yeah. And I had the guy that started on, I just released the episode yesterday. And one of the questions we were talking about, he goes, we work with every O-line. So if they play wing T in their high school and they come to us, we train them on what their, what their coach wants us to train them on, which I think he goes, but there's a science behind this. There's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of, we do a lot of stretching, like your ankles, your hips, your knees. Like yeah. People don't think about that. So like you just said, what did we hear when we played in, in football? Get low. Why aren't you getting low? Yeah. And I still do it too. Once in a while you might slip it out. Like, why aren't you getting low? But you got, why aren't they? Are they stiff in the hips? Is it this? Right. Is it that? Um, and we have to, as coaches, be like, okay, if they're stiff, then during the offseason, what do we do to get them not to be so stiff? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it lifting heavy weight? Because everybody's into that sprint-based stuff. And I just had a guy, Coach Dixon, He there's a coach here up in Illinois. He's probably 20 minutes from me, Coach Tony Holler. He's a track coach. And he started feeding the cats thing, which kind of like that. I love that stuff. And then I just had Coach Dixon on, who was really involved in that on here and he talked to me about it. he goes when we all i asked him when we all played sports it was this group goes over here and does deadlift well then he said well what if this one got kid isn't supposed to be doing deadlift that day like what if it's just not working what have him go do something else hey everybody as you know the coach steve show is brought to you by the unhinged sports network and in case you've missed it they've recently par- partnered with fubu tv now what is fubu tv Fubo TV brings you 100 plus channels, including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, ESPN, and more without the hassle of a cable contract. It is 2020, it's time to cut the cord. If you don't believe me, please click the link in the episode description or on the social media profile and you can get a seven day free trial. So please, again, go click on the link for Fubo TV in the episode description or in the social media profile, get a seven day free trial to support the Coach Steve Show podcast, as well as the Unhinged Sports Network. Recently, the Coach Steve Show has joined with the Unhinged Sports Network. It's an off-the-ground sports network that has different podcasts and is playing 24-7, so it's a podcast radio-type website. So every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, the Coach Steve Show will have a new episode out. And they have partnered with Fanatics.com. So what I need you guys to do is in the episode descriptions and on social media is click on the Fanatics link and go get yourself some fan gear. Any team that you want, they have the gear for. Shirts, polos, hats, pullovers that have zips, stocking stuffers, anything like that, anything. Any team you want, they have. So please to support the podcast and support the Unhinged Sports Network. Please click on the please click on the link in the description. 
please click on the link in the social media and go buy stuff. They have anywhere, anywhere. I've seen anywhere between 20, 30, 40, 50, 60% off all, all their apparel. So with sports coming back, please go get some apparel to support your team. So again, click on the link, go get yourself some gear, and thank you for all the support. So with O-line, if you have one tackle that's like not is struggling with the hips, what in the weight room can we do to get him to, to fix it? But you don't have to make the whole offensive line do it. What if the rest of them are, don't have any problems and yes. they're getting low? He needs to go do something. And as coaches, maybe that's too hard because you're worried about five guys starting and then you probably have five guys right behind them that you have to worry about. Other coaches like, I got three quarterbacks. That's all I got to worry about. So I think it's a lot of work that some people don't want to do. And then also – we don't get talked about in the paper. Like that's the other thing is yeah. you get no recognition. Yeah. It's not exactly, uh, not exactly the most glorious position, but um, I think the, one of the good things about social media is, you know, we, we've kind of been able to sort of create our own buzz mm-hmm. um, in terms of, um, you know, the offensive line coaching community, which um, like I said, in, in my opinion, just from my observations, I think the, I think the OL coaching community is, is probably maybe the most active on Twitter. Um, you know, with the hot football chat and stuff. And, you know, obviously there are other positions that, you know, do their own thing or whatever. But I think for us, it's um, it's been a great opportunity to put our guys in the limelight. Um, I try to I try to show off my kids every time, every chance I get. Um, and, and I think that's what it's all about. Um, obviously, you want to use it to, you know, you know, grow your platform or whatever, you know, network and stuff like that. But I think, you know, also you 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 have an obligation to to promote your kids and show off your kids. Um, and I think, you know, if you're not necessarily doing that, then you're not taking full advantage of, of a platform you may have. Right. And then you want to give back to coaches. Like there's sometimes where we were all young. I mean, I'm 12 years into, I don't know if I'm young or old yet or right in the middle, <laughs> Yeah. but there's some coaches that will give you nothing. You can message them and they're not going to tell you one thing. Yeah. There's some coaches that might say, Hey, I have this certification, pay $800. You'll find out which I'm not talking bad about anybody. That's what they do. I don't, I'm not judging nobody because I have no right to judge anybody. Yeah. So I feel like how do we make coaches better when we have to give information? You don't have to give the – and coach or to Coach Mackey because I love Coach Mackey. Don't give the secret sauce. You don't have to give the exact secret sauce, but, like, there's things you can give out and support the kids. And, like, your kids will love seeing that too. If they get on there, like, oh, my gosh, you know, Coach Timmerman's talking about how good we block. Like, look at that pancake. Like, then they're <laughs> yeah. excited, you know. Like, then they get yeah. kind of excited. And, like, this coach cares and wants to promote the team and, and all that. And then a young coach that gets into it this year might be like, let me go look on Twitter and see if I can find something. Oh, look at this. I didn't know anything about that. And this is free? This is free knowledge? Yeah. Twitter, Twitter's been huge. Like, I mean, I've, I've been able to – um, connect with a lot of people and, and find some science, find some great stuff that I've been able to incorporate and, and all that stuff. And um, obviously that's, you know, that's kind of how I first found out about, you know, uh, with Charles Bentley and, and offensive line performance and, and all that stuff. And that's what really kind of got me uh, going into all that stuff is, is, you know, some of the guys I've met through Twitter and, um, you know, just being able to, you know, have a group chat with some of the guys and just throw out a question and be like, all right, Hey, here's a, here's a problem I'm having, you know, have you guys encountered this problem? You know, if so, how do you fix it? Or, or, Hey guys, I did this today. I thought it was really good. You know, maybe you want to use it next time or whatever. Um, and so I think it's, you know, it's, it's, um, 
the more like you know the old old saying is like the more more eyes you have on a problem you know the more more brains you have working on it you know um you have more possibilities for solutions and stuff and so um yeah you kind of got to be selective sometimes about you know who you go to or whatever because like you said some sometimes guys are not gonna give you much or or they're gonna do this or do that um but i've been pretty fortunate to have guys you know that reach out to me and, and and share plenty of ideas and uh it's been a very very useful tool that's for sure um and it's definitely something that i wish i would have had sooner but fortunately um you know it, it's here now yeah because when i started coaching it was you had to ask people and twitter was there and here's a funny thing i made twitter me and my friend made twitter and it first came out to make fun of my cousin who made it because we were being ironic you know you know that's because we're in high school, like, or whatever. And I had it. So I've had it ever since I've had it. My account's been there since it started. Yeah. Which is crazy. But I never touched it. It was like, I didn't open it for three, for three years. And then somebody said, Hey, go on there. Cause I'm finding football stuff. So I got back on there and I was like, Oh, sports, this football, that ba- I coach basketball, like basketball, this. And right. And I'm like, I feel bad for old Steve. Cause he couldn't find this. Like you had to, buy the books you had to go talk to coaches you had to drive somewhere to watch it and now you've got online clinics you've got the stuff people put clips out like i know you put my book clips out i got you know you look at them and it's crazy where football has come and gone no more trading film on the tape we had to drive and do that (laughs) yeah luckily i never had to partake in in that tradition i did it twice when i first got into coaching it was dvds Mm -hmm. and you had to drive to do it now i'm from a small town so like all the schools you play I think the farm is like 45 minutes, but you met halfway. So it's like, oh, I got to drive 20 minutes. I'll grab food. Like I'll go to a restaurant while I'm out. But yeah, you got to be like, here's this. You take this, go watch it. And then I did that like twice. That was one of my jobs. Like once or twice, I have to go do that. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to a next high school, that's where I found out about Huddle. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like this yeah. is game changing. <laughs> <laughs> and well, that's like where uh, Coach Dearman from Kansas a couple years ago mm-hmm. he came out with his book and this is the crazy thing um i i had messaged him a couple times about things he had the book out he told me about it, and i said when it's in the budget and i get permission i will go get it 10 minutes later he goes what's your email and i gave him my email five seconds later it's in my email he goes there you go don't tell my wife i'm like there you go and i'm like that's amazing because he yeah. was at arkansas tech at the time yeah and then uh what else did he do? He sent me a couple other things. I was like, this is crazy. And then some of the things he goes, do you want some quarterback looking stuff? And I was like, sure. Send it to me on huddle. There you go. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned coach Deerman. Uh, he's, he's a great guy. He's really like, you know, the first guy I really started to study with our, the whole RPO thing and or whatever. And, and he was, he was speaking at a clinic I was at one time. And, um, you know, we, we go back to the hotel for, well, first of all, he, you know, he stayed, he stayed after his time to address any questions or whatever for, that anybody had, which was, which was great. Um, and then after, you know, later that night, everybody goes back to the hotel and, and he just happened to be staying at the, the same hotel. And, and he sat down in the lobby of the hotel with, with several of us coaches, um, you know, we, and we just ordered a couple of pizzas or whatever. And, and he sat down there and sat on and drew up stuff on a little mini whiteboard and, and talked with us for, you know, probably 45 minutes or an hour um, after the clinic was over. Um, so he's definitely a good dude and, um, definitely somebody I've learned from, but just kind of have, you know, like you said, just that the fact that that's a possibility now is, 
um, and not just, you know, dig- digitally and that you can just message somebody and not have to necessarily drive out there to Kansas or, or wherever this you know, particular person you may want to talk to may be uh, is, is very, um, very useful, very handy. I like things like that because no offense to some of these clinics, some are turned into look at what I can do with division one athletes or whatever the case might be. I like the coaches that show you the film and they're drawn on the whiteboard and then they're drawn on huddle and then they stay afterwards and take questions. There's some guys that are there for a reason and you can figure it out very quickly that they're there for a reason. Then there's coaches that are there. They're very humble. Like a coach Gehrman is like, I'm going to go sit there and do this because I want someone to do that for me. So I always told myself, if I make it big, which will never happen, if I ever did, that's the kind of person I'd be. I would yeah. draw it up on the – if I ever did a clinic, it'd be, tell you guys everything. I don't care. And then I'm going to go out to the lobby because that's what it's turned into is clinics. We just sit in the lobbies and, and meet coaches and talk. That's what it's turned into. Yeah. Besides the online stuff, which is fantastic. Like, this is a new norm is the Zoom and stuff. That's a new norm. Absolutely. But I do miss sitting in the hotel lobbies or whatever, and there's hundreds of coaches, and you can just go up to somebody and start talking. Like, yeah, definitely. It's um, it's it's good. I always always enjoyed going to the Glacier Clinics um for for part of that. You know, just kind of network and see some guys you might not normally uh, get to see during the season, obviously because they're busy when you're busy because um, they're coaching as well. So, yeah, definitely um definitely miss gonna miss the uh, in person stuff. Um, I'm assuming you know that's gonna be. Uh, at a minimum this particular spring, but um, Zoom stuff is still good for sure. Yeah, I forgot to mention this. You guys won a state championship for your guys this season, right? Uh, yeah, we had a pretty good year. We um, we went undefeated. Um, we were 14-0. and 0. Uh, We won a state championship. We finished number one in the state. Uh, we're top five in the country in, in a few national polls. So it was a very good year for us, man. The, the kids, they just came to work every day, um, and it's it's a credit to them. Um, we didn't necessarily do anything particularly special, you know, as far as coaching stuff. We just try to put them in the best position to be successful because we do have we do have very good players. Um, and they did exactly what we asked them to do. They didn't flinch. Um, they, they played hard. They worked hard every day. And obviously, you know, dealing with all this extra stuff um, could have been very easy for a lot of people just to kind of fold the tent and say, well, you know, it's you know, this year is, you know, doesn't count or, or, or whatever, you know, you might want to say, but um, they just showed up to work every day and um, their work paid off. Well, congratulations on a state title. Not many of us can sniff a state title in high school, but that's pretty yeah. cool. It's, uh, it's been good. I've been, I've been fortunate. This is my second one um, okay. in seven years. So uh, I've been very fortunate to be at some, some strong programs um, and learned a lot from a lot of guys and, like I said, it's just uh, it's just mainly a credit to the kids and, and our head coach, um, Coach Carter. He did a good job just keeping everybody on track and and giving every you know having a plan for for everything that came forward. And, and we're just kind of we're going to do it this way, and we're and we're going to do it this way. And um, kids, the kids lived up to it. You know, we held we held a certain standard. Um, you know, and we knew they wanted to be successful, and so we just kind of laid it out for them. Said, so well, if you want to be successful, this is how you got to do it. Um, and Coach Carter kind of laid that standard out for everybody and kids did a great job of just of just rising up and meeting every challenge that came to them every Friday night. So is that a normal season for you guys? Like if you want to stay title 14 games, so you guys had like a full season, no uh, games? a normal full season in Georgia is 15 games. So we missed okay. out on one game. Um, we were actually at, at one, at one point we were down to six games in our regular season um, because of cancellations from COVID and stuff like that. And um, we were able to pick up three out of the four. Um, so a, norm, a normal season is 15 games, uh, but we were able to play 14. 
Yeah, we in Illinois, we usually get nine, and then we get four weeks. So you get three rounds of the playoffs and the state title. If we have football, it's going to be six or seven games and no more. Like, you can't schedule. Uh-huh. You don't even have a postseason. It's not even scheduled to have a postseason. It, they oh, said uh, it would have to be us. Uh, it's up to us as schools to do it, I guess. That's crazy. Like, you could get, they said maybe two weeks. Hmm. And, and so, well, because before COVID, Illinois, we do conferences. So yeah. it's conferences, not regions or anything. And we have 1A through 8A. And right before COVID, it got passed that we were going to switch to regions because everybody else does it. So they're like, let's do it. So they passed it. But when they passed it, there was no rough draft because we all said, well, what's the rough draft going to look like? What what do schools go to where? They're like, oh, we haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) And so then it got brought up again. And they're like, well, since you guys can't figure it out, it got voted on again. It got shot down. It's going back to conferences. When COVID hit, guess what? It got put on the table again. Regions because they don't know. Well, now it's just conferences, so we're going to play six conference games, maybe seven, if we have a season. It's yeah. quite possible we don't. And Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And not to get too political, but like there's reports here in Illinois of kids taking their lives and I just can't take it, but that's a whole nut. Like it just happened yesterday. Mm. And that's why sports matter so much. I'm really glad you guys had a season because sports mean more to kids than, than anybody knows. So when I hear you guys like at 14 games, I'm like, yes, I'm glad these schools are getting these games. Like I'm not, I'm jealous, but I'm not mad. I'm like, yes, I want coaches and kids to get these games so bad. Yeah, that we were very lot. fortunate. Um, we were very fortunate to, you know, get some stuff done. And, um, you know, I think that's uh, a credit, like I said, to, you know, it's a credit to our athletic association, you know, and helping things out. It's a credit to our, our school board and our parents and, and everybody involved really just kind of doing what they need to do to, to make sure that we were able to have a season um, because like I said, it, it was important to our kids and um, our kids knew that, you know, we could, we could have a pretty special year. Uh, things, things worked out the right way. And so um, we were, we were really, really hoping we were going to have a season. We, we weren't hundred percent sure. Um, obviously, you know, back in the spring, they sent us all home. We didn't get spring football. Um, our summer workouts were extremely limited. Um, and then we we're supposed to have a, a preseason scrimmage and then they canceled that. And that was kind of when we were all like, oh, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. there's if they're going to cancel the preseason scrimmage, there's no way they're going to turn around and let us play. Uh, but they did. So we were we were fortunate. Uh, but we were we were hanging on a thread for a little bit right there for a little while. At least at least we thought we were. Um, so we were we're very fortunate to have been able to play. That's for sure. And I'm I'm hoping that um, schools and, and, and kids that did not get to play in the fall do get to play in the spring or at least in, in some form or fashion. Yeah. 
we look at states like where you guys are at, we're like, well, they can do it. Why can't we? I said this from the get-go. We need a football coach or some coach in charge as a governor. And someone that said, because we could all work together. We could all learn how to work together. Not my way is better than your way. So I just hope that we can look at what you guys did. Like, what 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 did that state do? Can we implement what they did and use it? Um, because we're we're in an argument now where we're trying to get basketball even going, it hasn't started. Because I'm not gonna try to get long-winded. So they made four seasons for us. So they had fall, which was swimming, cross country, tennis, and that stuff. So they got to have their fall season. Then you had your winter season, which was basketball and all that. It was supposed to start in November, December. Well, it hasn't started yet. Football and soccer and volleyball were going to start February 15th as like a spring. So mm-hmm. you had fall, winter, spring. Then you had summer, May through the end of June, which would be track and baseball. That was the plan. Now they're talking about pushing everything to stop in August. Wow. And then our football season wouldn't start till September sometime wow. again. Yeah, that's tough. But that's a quick turnaround, too. That's what scares me. Like, if we do have football and it ends in May, a quick turnaround to come back in August or September, that's huge. Yeah, that uh, that was kind of my biggest concern at first when people were talking about playing in the spring is, well, you know, what? how does that affect the next season? Like, are you going to play football? Are you going to play a schedule of football in the spring and then turn around and come back in July and August and start working, you know, start hitting again? You know, that's a lot of that's a lot of wear and tear on, on kids' bodies and stuff. Um, I think it's important that they have that time to recover um and so you know talking three to four months is not exactly a a lot of recovery time here at the coach steve show podcast we're very excited for our new sponsor for the show the launchpad kickoff tea pretty exciting that they wanted to sponsor the podcast and very um excited for the opportunity to be sponsored by them um, the Launchpad Kickoff Tea is a very unique kickoff tea. It's, there's nothing like it. It is created so that way you can place the football however you want it. You want it to stand up higher, it can stand up higher. If you want it you know, to make it down lower to make the football be kicked off and go farther, it can do that. You want to place it to the side, you want it to stand straight up however you want. You could put it upside down if that's the thing. However you want, the Launchpad Kickoff Tea can let you do that. So if you're a coach and you have a younger guy or a developing kicker who is not reaching the end zone at all times, this is the perfect kickoff tee for you. The reason is that it gives a coach a strategic options on squibs and onside kicks that were never available before. This kickoff tee is legal for the NCAA use and for all high schools at the National Federation High School Association. The Launchpad Kickoff Tee, it is a game changer, guys. Having one here is a complete game changer. Check out the videos that they've posted. It's it's amazing stuff to see what the kickers can do once they get this and get the kicking down and use this tee. So for now, what I need you to do, if you're interested in looking at it and going to buy one, please go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. And when you buy the one tee, Use the code CSS to get 10% off. But also, there are other options. Using the same link, if you want to buy two, you can get 25% off. If you think you need more and want to go buy the four-pack option, you can buy three and get one of them for free. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS and use the code CSS and go get this game-changing kickoff tee for all you kickers and you coaches today. Thank you.
snow and we can't get in the weight room. Like in Illinois, it depends on your school district. <clears throat> There's some school districts that are allowing kids in the weight room. Some up here in the, because I'm up in the Western suburbs of Chicago. No, I don't live in Chicago, guys. I don't live in Chicago. I'm in a suburb, but I'm from central Illinois though, but I've lived here for two and a half years. We can't, it just depends on your district. If your yeah. district says the numbers are too high, you don't go to the weight room. So my big concern is we haven't get these kids in the weight room. I'm worried about injuries in, in February. Yeah. Big time. Because in Chicago, guess what happens in February? There's ice and snow. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. So I'm worried. Like I saw, I took a new job in June, like an idiot, but I thought COVID, this wouldn't be what it was. I only saw the kids three or four weeks in person. And we just yeah. did body weight stuff. We couldn't do the weight room. So I'm worried about injuries. But like we said before, that's why I'm looking at the sprint-based stuff. I'm like, is there a way to try to help these yeah. injuries out looking at the sprint-based stuff? Because that opened my mind up because um, one of my friends, he's like, Indiana does it. Look at what Indiana's done. Alabama does the sprint-based stuff now. And they're getting stronger as the year goes on. Yeah. So I really started to look at that. I'm like, if these guys are doing it, and high schools are doing it. Why can't we do it? The only thing, and Coach Dixon might hurt, hate me for this. He said they don't wear pads on Tuesdays. They're just in helmets. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not going to get me fully on board with that, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> like, well, I mean, you for us, we – we um for us on Mondays and Wednesdays, we were helmets only. We didn't wear hmm. shoulder pads Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, so, you know, I think that's something that helped. I think it's something that helped our kids um, – make it through the whole season, all this extra stuff. We, you know, I know the whole, the whole, you know, idea behind football is you got to get out there and you got to hit each other and you got to be physical and all that stuff. Well, we wore helmets only two days a week. And then we went shorts and shoulder pads Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, the only time we put full pads on was Friday night. Um, and I, I feel like it helped our guys. I thought, I thought they were fresh all season. Um, Cause we're not, we're not banging on them for, for four months straight. Um, and I'm not saying, you, you know, Everybody has to go out there and just beat the crap out of each other. But I think, um, you know, whether it was just even a mental thing as well. Um, but I, I think it was something that really helped our kids. And I think it's, uh, you know, kind of counter to what a lot of, you know, football traditionalists would, would say and believe in. But um, I loved it. I think our kids loved it, you know, only only having helmets on for a couple of days. Um, and like I said, I think it kept them fresh, kept saved their legs um, and, kept them from getting banged on more than they needed, honestly. Well, now I feel like a jackass, but the reason why is because I told him that one school I was at, the first time I've seen something like that, I went to a different school. Mondays, we were just helmets because we we're just doing walkthroughs, you know. Tuesdays, we wore helmets and shoulder pads, but in shorts. And the reason why we were in shoulder pads was just a safety thing, yeah, just in case. And then that way, for offensive line purposes, we could work on more hand placement. Because yeah. our tags are good, but just just where I was at, that's what he wanted to do. We weren't hitting, but it was a safety thing, you know, like they could really work on stuff with shoulder pads on. We weren't banging, we weren't tackling, we were just safety. And then Wednesday was the hard hit day or whatever. Like, not hard hit, but you could put on the full gear, and that's where we really got work done. Thursday, back to helmets and shoulder pads. It was just walking, but he just did it for them to get a feel. Now, as the season went on, we took the shoulder pads off. Like, okay, now they're tired. And then Friday was full go. And Coach Dixon says he calls it caging them up. He was like, Friday we, or Wednesday, we do our full hit. And then Thursday, we go back to helmets. And then Friday, they're caged. It's like mm-hmm. you have to unleash them from that cage to go. Like, we get to hit somebody, so they go. Yeah. Because you can't build – you can kind of build toughness in kids, but, like, the hard-hitting thing, they just have to figure out. You can't coach that. 
Well, for us, it was kind of interesting um, because like the, our, we practice with pads uh, in, in every drill, in every situation we did, um, because that was, you know, part of our, um, our, our county's uh, policy, I guess you could say, is um, that they wanted us to use, use pads and stuff. So the only time my guys actually got to hit a physical person to block a human body was on Friday night. Um, and so like, kind of like you said, I think it, I think our kids were jacked up for that. I think they were ready to go on Friday nights to actually be able to, to make contact with a human body and to be physical, uh, in this, in a way that they were not able to be in practice, uh, for, you know, like I said, for those, for those various reasons. Um, but I, like you said, I think there's something to, you know, changing up our, our thoughts about traditional practice. I know a lot of colleges do, um, they call it no sweat Thursday. Mm -hmm. where they use, you know, a lot, a lot of times the traditional thought was to have the day before the game be your, your walkthrough day, you know, your no contact day or whatever to, to, to get them rested up or whatever. But um, they talked about, you know, using that two days before the game as your rest day, then the day before the game, get their central nervous system primed up and ready to go get their muscles firing. Um, and then that way on game day, they're ready to play. Um, and that was something we did here. Another thing that we did here that I liked that, and we didn't do it at my old school was we, we lift on game day. Um, it's nothing crazy. You know, we're, we're just going to put 45s on the bar and do 135 and, and we do some various stuff, but we, we do a lift. Uh, we get their muscles firing, we get their central nervous system activated, we get their body ready to go. Um, and I, I think it helps us. I think it gives us a little bit of an edge. I'm not sure how many of our opponents do that or how many teams across the state of Georgia do it, but I think um, that game day lift is something that gives us an edge because it gets kind of like you said, it, it gets our bodies going uh, kind of gets the body thinking like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be active today. Right. That's interesting. I didn't think about lifting on game day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to take that to my head coach. Like, what if you think about this? Because we're worried about injuries. That's what we're all thinking about. So that's why we're looking at the sprint based stuff. I'm just gonna keep saying sprint based. People don't know. It's just a, it's not heavy lifting. It's not like, Hey, let's squat 600 pounds. It's more about generating power. It's more about speed. Um, my friend that lives here in Illinois, he's big on it now. He's the head girls track coach and he's the OC. He said, if you watch one of my track practices and somebody drives by, they're going to think we're not doing nothing because they sprint really hard and then they sit down for like five or ten minutes. Yeah, they you have to focus on there. rest, rest and right. recovery. Right. He'll, and he goes, people probably drive by and think we're going to have the worst track team in the state because we do this. And he's like, my girls went from like 18 miles per hour to 19 or 20 miles per hour from doing this. Yeah. Um. And then, like, if you listen to, like, Nick Saban and them now, I think Wednesday is, like, their hard sprint. Like, that's where they really work. And then Thursday and Friday, like you said, they don't really do anything. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday rolls around. They do whatever they need to do, and they're ready to go. And that's why they're fast. Yeah. Like, they've rested. Um, There's numbers out there that left tackle for them who I want the Bears to draft. He's stronger now than when it's the beginning of the season. He is yeah. generating more power than at the beginning of the season. And like back in the day, I remember being a player by week nine or 10, we're tired. Yeah. Because that old school thinking. And now you talk to people that do it. The school I was at where we did some of this stuff, we went 10 and one. Now we went 10 and one because of the kids. Yeah. But they weren't tired as the season went on because yeah. we had to play hard hitting teams. Like we played a team that had kids get recruited by Michigan or Wisconsin and all that. And we beat them 17 to 13 because, and I'll never forget this. Their nose guard was getting recruited by Michigan. Jim Harbaugh was recruiting him. He had his hands on his hips taking deep breaths. 
and my old line was walking up there all fine. Like, hey, now he was a stud. He was yeah. the rock. He was the rock, just like five foot ten or six foot. Like <laughs> he was just a man. And we weren't doing nothing fancy. I would just trap him and run away from him. But he was tired. And I'm like, okay, there's something about not hitting on full on hitting Tuesdays. Wednesday being a tough day, Thursday being relaxed, and then we go out there Friday. Now, your guys' way works too, but for us, it was like, hey, we're not as tired. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's something to be said about it. I think the, you know, I think, and again, I'm, I'm not as educated or as knowledgeable as a lot of these other guys that, you know, kind of originated some of this stuff, but I think the rest and recovery phase is probably the most underrated part of training um, because, you know, I think I think as Coach Holler, you know, he talks about you know don't let don't let today ruin tomorrow, um, and so I think it's something that really benefited us. And like I said, I just felt like our kids were fresh all season. I, I felt like we continued to get stronger. I felt like we were just as fast by the end of the season as we were at the beginning of the season. I don't think our our legs were you know weary or anything. And um, but and I think that's you know within within practice you kind of have to structure that as well, especially. Especially with OL guys, you know, I mean, that's that those guys are carrying a lot more weight than a lot of the other guys on the team, and so um, I think you kind of have to know, you know, have a know when to go fast to practice and know when to slow it down to practice and have you know a, a teach period or something like that, and uh, and when to go full speed. But I, I felt like our guys this year were were just as fast and, and just as strong, uh, if not faster and a little bit stronger towards the end of the season as they were when we started. Now, will you guys put them in like? Because when I was talking to Coach Dixon, and as coaches, you think some of us do this and some of us don't think about it. Do you put them in like really tough situational things? Because he's talking about being well, being tough is hitting, but being tough is when there's 50 seconds left in the game or a minute left in the game and you have to score or you have to stop them. That's when you put them in tough situations where just at the drop of it. I talked to a coach here in Illinois. I don't know if you know him, uh, Coach Derek Leonard. He's won eight of the last 10 state titles here in Illinois in 4A. At the drop of a whistle, they will go straight to a two-minute, under-two-minute drill, and they have to score. And it's just random. You never know when it's coming. And yeah. it's just a situational thing of, like, now you're in a tough situation. And I was like, there's a reason why he's won eight of the last ten state titles because his kids are prepared. So for O-line, do you put them in, like, a tough situation that way? Like, situation like this is the time where you got to be tough. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think toughness, uh, people like to throw that word around, but I, I, think, I think toughness comes from, being confident in your ability to do your job. Um, and that comes from both a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint. Um, you know, you can, you can yell at a kid, Hey, you know, be tough or whatever, or go hit him or whatever. Well, if that, if that, if that young man or young lady or whatever sport it is, if they're not confident in their physical ability to get that job done, of course, they're going to be hesitant. Um, same thing on the mental side of things. If they're not, you know, a hundred percent, sure about what their assignment is or what they need to do on this particular route or, or whatever, they're probably not going to go as fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, we, you know, the old saying was, well, you don't, if you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake full speed. I mean, that's just, it's just not the nature of, you know, kids, you know, and our humans in general, we're not sure about something. We're hesitant. Um, it's, it's very rare to get somebody that should go, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to go run straight ahead full speed. Um, or, or whatever it is. So I think toughness is is something that's not trained by yelling at kids or beating on them or you know getting them to do this or whatever, but um, getting them confident in their in their job, their ability to perform their job both mentally and physically. And like you said, I think part of that comes from putting them in situations like that. Like on on Tuesdays, we do 
uh, third and short and third and long situations against our starting. Uh, it's best on best, starting over, starting <laughs> D. Um, and so, and we do a goal line situation as well. And so we do that. We do that every Tuesday. Um, and so that's kind of our time to to compete against each other. Um, on Mondays, we we do a, a bandit period, which is boom. As soon as practice, as soon as pre practice is over, we start practices with six plays of uh, um, first O versus first D. You know, ones on ones. Um, and so those are periods where you know it's fast, it's situational. Like I said, third short, third long. Uh, you know, can you execute, you know, in this particular scenario? Right. I think we're moving away from days of gassers. Yeah. I think um, I've seen coaches like, are we getting soft? Cause we're not doing that. And I said, well, in the summer, there's times to run, I think, and I'm probably wrong, but in the season, I think there's no time to do that anymore. It's playing. It's practice needs to go fast in those situations. Cause that's where, like you said, when are they going to play fast when they're comfortable in that type of situation? So at first it's going to look bad. Then the next time they do it, they're a little more comfortable, a little more comfortable. Days of gassers are kind of leaving. Because I was that coach young, coordinator 23 or 24 years old. And I would be that guy. Hey, why don't you go run around the football field until I'm tired? Until I'm tired <laughs> you know, to make a point. And then I, I talked to some coaches doing this podcast, and they said, you know what you should have done? Hey, you're not starting. Sit over here by me. And that's going to change it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we like as the season was going. I don't think we ever ran gassers as a team for conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not something we we did. Um, our conditioning, our conditioning comes from how we practice. Like if mm-hmm. you come to our practices, you're going to see like we're flying around for the most part. Now, obviously, there's going to be times where you slow it down and teach, um, but for the most part, our we are flying around to practice. Um, I feel like we get a lot done in two hours. Um, that's pretty much that's that's how long we're out there. Uh, two hours, two hours, 10 minutes tops. Um, but that includes pre-practice now, too. That's that mm-hmm. includes, you know, a good 15, a good 15 minutes of pre-practice or whatever. Um, so really, it's our actual practice is maybe an hour and 45 minutes. Um, and that's on the long days. And so, you know, I think our I think our conditioning comes from how we practice. Um, it comes from, you know, the, the intensity level that, that we bring to practice and stuff and, and the uh, effort in which we want to get things done and the, the speed and the tempo of which we want to get things done. Right. And that comes from coaches are planned right before practice. So you already know what's going to go on Yeah, from watching film, from doing all that stuff. And at a school I was at, we never filmed practice, not one Offense or defense. So guess what would happen? Yeah, guess what would happen? I'm OC. I'm calling plays. O-line coach stops. Well, hold on a second. They didn't block that right, and I'm losing it because I'm like, we should film this, and then I go back and look at it later. Yeah. Like, we don't – in about the fourth or fifth week, I said, why are we not filming practice? Guess what I got told? Who's going to watch it? That was (laughs) the situation I was in. That's wild. And I I get mad because I'm like, we ask these kids to give us everything they've got all the time. School, life, football. Why are we not doing the same? This not filming does not help them because that kid is going to forget what happened. Yeah. So you need to watch it and be like, hey, look at your footwork here, look at your footwork here. And then in a game, I told him, I said, do you think I can go up to the ref and say, hey, hold on a second. I stopped this for 30 seconds to correct a run play. It's not realistic. Yeah, that's a tough situation. I mean, we we film everything. I watch I watch practice. Uh you know, every day as soon as soon as we as soon as we get into the field house after practice, I'm I'm watching practice film. Um, 
And I think that's, that's another thing that, I mean, you know, allows us to go fast is we're not stopping a team period in the middle of the period um, mm-hmm. to, to correct something. Um, very, very rarely would that happen. But I mean, we're, we're trying to knock, you know, 18, 20 plays out in, in 10 minutes or so. Um, and that, you know, that includes like subbing, subbing people in and doing things of that sort. Um, so we move at a pretty good pace. We're not necessarily as fast as I know some like hyper tempo teams or whatever, but um, I feel like we move at a, a really good pace and, and we're, we're not stopping, you know, in the middle, you just got to, I think, and I also think that's important why, why it's important to have, um, you know, coaching cues that you can use with your kids um, that it's, that's just one or two words that you can, that tells them something. Um, now, obviously you'll, you know, sometimes you may need to go more in depth, you know, with it after practice, if maybe if it's a schematical issue or whatever, but um, I think that's important for, for maybe technique or stuff like that, have those coaching cues you can give to your kids on the fly um, and have a language that you speak with them. So that when you say something, you know, even though it may be very short, it may be just one word or two, but they know what it means. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they'll get it fixed immediately right then because you said that word, but the, at least that's something now they know, to, to think about to fix maybe on the, on the next play or next time that technique comes up. Um, but I can't, I can't imagine not filming practice. Uh, it seems like it would be such a huge disadvantage. And especially if you're going to stop practice to, to correct things in the middle of a team period, slows everything down. Yeah. Cause I originally went back and coached at my high school that I, I coached since I was 18. So I coached at my high school. Now that was in the days where you necessarily didn't have, the end zone camera up to film. So at those days, it wasn't thought about. Yeah. Then the next school I went to where technology, you know, huddle and all this technology I caught up. That's the only school that's never done that. So my first high school, I give a pass because that just wasn't a thing. Yeah. Especially at a small school. A school had 300 kids. So like at a school like that, it wasn't a thing. Then the next school I went to was 1,000 or 800 to 1,000, somewhere in there. We had the technology. We had the end zone camera. We had this. We had that. That's the only school that's never done it. I've been in mm-hmm. five high schools. So the first school is a pass. The next four, that one didn't do it. The next three, I've, I've coached at two. The one, we're waiting for a season, but we're going to do it. Right. Like, filming practice is essential. Yeah. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And so it, it was tough. Don't get me wrong, especially as an OC. Like, I think that's why my hair is gone from, that, from those seasons because it was just like, I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, this is as an OC, because we were no huddle, I have to signal it in. So I'm like, signal it in to have it stop and them correct it. I was losing my mind. Yeah. Cause like, we weren't, he wanted to be an up tempo team, but I wasn't comfortable because it, it the school I was coaching, I was right next to Eastern Illinois. So, I helped out spring ball with Dino Babers and Jimmy. 
So he was there. So guess what? It was on the range that Baylor 10 second, 12 second snap. Gotcha. Guess what the head coach wanted to do? <laughs> oh, we got to snap the ball in 12 seconds. Yeah. And I said, at that point, I'm just calling plays to call plays. Right. At that point. No offense to Babers because they're playing for us. And at a high school level for us, it was just like, I'm going to call plays to call plays at that point. And so he wanted to be up tempo. And I said, okay, we're going to try. So we're trying in practice. And if you stop it and talk to the kid for a minute, there it goes. You're yeah. not going to be ready for it. Very hard to very hard to be up tempo when you're stopping in the middle of your team period. Yeah, it's tough. And I asked the coaches, I'm like, do you guys ever stop? And they said the only time we stop, like you said, if they do have to stop, like if you want to get your second string, you do stop. Um, or if the head coach doesn't like what he sees, he might stop, give a message for 30 seconds to a minute, and then you're back. Right. It's just like calling a timeout in a game. So that's how mm-hmm. they look at it. Like, what do you see coaches do if they don't like what they see? They call a timeout, give us raw, raw, you don't want to hear what they're saying speech because it's probably not TV friendly. <laughs> and then you go back out there. Right. Which I like. And that's all I've ever been around since then. And I'm like, yeah. oh, we went 10 and 1 was the first time. I was like, oh, maybe there's a reason why. <laughs> it was the kids, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But we were putting them in situations to be successful. We were making it game-like so they're prepared. And so when they would come off the field, they would tell us what they're seeing and we're able to adjust because we could all speak the same language because right. we knew what was going on. Then the next school, they hadn't won four games since 2000. We went four and five, which to some people doesn't sound good, but it's a rebuilding program. I show yeah. up, we do all those things. We go four and five, six points away from making the playoffs. So we always scored six more points. We would have won in the playoffs and we went five and four. So I'm like, these things work. Like we're not, it's not. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ranting, but, yeah, that was a tough couple mm-hmm. of years not filming practice, and I thought that was the norm after a while. I was like, oh, well. Right, yeah. No, I, I can't imagine that. Um, it was, it's, and it's, it's something that, for us, it's, we, I mean, we showed the kids. Um, you know, it's in a normal year, um, we have our weight training class during fourth period, and that's, that's the longest period of the day because um, that combines with lunch and it combines with an advisement period. So we um, – like I said, in, in a normal year, uh, we would have enough time to, to lift the kids and then also have position meetings with them. Um, so I think that's invaluable, you know, being able to show the kids, you know, being able to let them watch themselves on, on film, um, you know, maybe the, the day after or something and, and correct something and, and, and things of that sort. So definitely, definitely think that's something that's uh, needed in today's game for sure. Is that a normal thing for high schools where you guys are at like an athletic period or whatever? Um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've had it, the two schools I've been at, um, at, when I was at Northside, my first five years, we, we had all of our football players in a weight training period. Um, and then we have, uh, we have two periods, um, here at Grayson, we have, uh, our third period, which is some of where some of our freshmen and our younger kids left. And then fourth period is where our older guys left. Yeah. In Illinois, we don't have spring football. Like, if we do have a season, it'd be the first time in Illinois history probably that football is in the spring. Yeah. Um, some high schools do have that, but some don't. And it's funny. The ones that do are successful. Oh, yeah. ones, it's invaluable. The ones that don't, there are some successful schools that don't. But you see a lot of people pushing for it now. So I'm just jealous. Like, you guys have it. I know Texas has it. There's a handful of schools in Illinois that do, but it's just not a thing. I think because there's no spring football. I think that's why. Um, 
Yeah, not, not being able to lift and and meet during the season is, I feel like, would be a really big disadvantage. Yeah, I mean, in Illinois, you have to call it open weight room. So, like, in a normal year, our state title games are the two days after Thanksgiving. So that Friday, 1A through 4A play, and then 5 through 8A play on Saturday. But, like, if your season's done in October, you can have open weight room. You can't call it football. You call it open weight room after school. And the reason why is so that way you prove like, oh, other people can show up. Mm-hmm. Now, realistically, we all know it's football, but you have to say open weight room. Well, for us, it's it's just a class on their schedule. It's just a yeah. weight training class. Um, they don't and, have that. And any like any kid, any kid in the school can have a weight training class. Hey guys, are you looking for something to help you get through your daily life? Are you looking for something to help you get through that extra push in the gym? Are you looking for something to just kind of help make your life a little bit easier? Are you somebody that maybe does want to go to the gym or, you know, needs extra push during the day and don't know where to go or where to look? Well, then you need to click the link in the description and go to Redcon One. Redcon One is the fastest growing supplement company in the business. Last year, they were voted best supplements at the Vitamin Shop and with many other awards. And they're not just for bodybuilders and powerlifters. They are made for everybody. They have everything. You are a person that, you know, needs pre-workout with caffeine, they have it. You need pre-workout that doesn't have caffeine to get that extra pump, they have it. They have little shots of energy stuff. They have meal bar replacements. They have the MRE uh, powder that you can make smoothies with. They have your whey proteins. They have fat burners that you can take in the morning. They have pills. They have everything that you can need. Great workout apparel. They have workouts on there. Everything you need. It's to have you be at the highest state of readiness. It's not just for the gym goers. It's for everybody looking to dominate in life. So please, what I need you to do is click on the link in the description. And when you use the code T20, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-U at checkout, you will get a 20% off. Now, they always have deals going on. So you click on the link and you see a 40% off or a buy one, get one free with a different code. That's still fine. If you still use the link to go to Redcon One, all you have to do is put my name in the referral box, S-T-E-P-H-E-N space K-U-C-H-E-F-S-K-I at checkout to help support the show. So let's go get the high state of readiness and let's get ready to conquer this day. Um, so it's, it's, it's for us, it's like, it's, you know, it's just part of PE and health and stuff like that. It's just a weight training class. Any, like our, our, our baseball team, I believe our baseball team has a weight training class six period. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily just football specific. It just happens that we're able to, you know, our admin works with us and we're able to get our football kids in a weight training class during fourth period. So it's not even necessarily football specific for us. It's just, um, it is, it's a class on the curriculum. It's a weight training class. It just works out that way. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause I know in Texas it's football weightlifting for them, but that's a whole different. Yeah. That may be a whole different thing. Yeah. That it's Texas. It's like football yeah. is life. Yeah. Everything's different in Texas. Yeah. But like some schools in Illinois don't have a weightlifting class. And if they do, it's not where you can take your football kids and do something else. It's this. And so that's why for Illinois, that's why coaches have to have this open weight room after school. Mm -hmm. Now, some do, some don't. It just depends. 
and it's frustrating, but like you couldn't watch film with them and you could a little bit open weight room, but like you got kids playing basketball and that's not so you can't do it. Um, and then there's no spring football, so it's not like you can do it then. Right. Now you can't now, now you have to let me know what you guys did. I think now with Zoom, you could do it more now. We're like, hey guys, I know you're in basketball, but maybe on one day, take a half hour and watch film or whatever. So what we did was um, we used fourth period because most of our kids stayed at home. Um, most of our we had we had the hybrid hybrid option here at our school where you could choose to come in person or stay at home. Uh, most of our kids chose to stay at home just because you know of the risk of a close contact. You know, all it takes is for some random kid to have a runny nose and fill Moffa's math class. And now he's out for two weeks mm-hmm. from close contact or whatever. Um, so most of our kids stayed at home. So what we did was we, we, they, they stayed in their fourth period weight training class and we used fourth period as a, as a meeting time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so our guys would get their position meetings for about an hour during fourth period um, where they'd watch practice film, they'd watch game film, the next opponent or whatever. Um, and, one of the things we have is I, we have um, a number of our coaches who are in the health health department. Um, so like our offensive coordinator, our wide receivers coach, our ninth grade head coach, um, our head coach, um, and a few others are in the P department. So they can kind of lead those meetings. Um, and then we had a couple other teachers or a couple other coaches who their fourth period was their planning period. So they were able to come down and, and help. So during fourth period, our kids got their position meetings. They were able to watch practice film. They were able to watch game film. Um, and then after school is this year is when we lifted weights um, just because of the way things are. So we would our kids would get to the school probably about 2.30. We get out of school at 2.10. So they'd get to the school probably around 2.30, uh, 3 o'clock. We'd lift, uh, and then we'd go practice. Yeah, we, we were talking. We, that's all we can do is meet on Zoom but we don't do it as much as we probably should because we had contact days in October. We could go the whole month of October and be with the kids, but we got shut down two and a half weeks in because mm-hmm. the number skyrocketed. So we're kind of mean with zoom kind of not, they're more worried about grades because this remote learning stuff is killing grades. Yeah. And like the school I'm at now, there's 1800 kids like total. There was 3000 failing grades if that tells you anything, that's and we're not, yeah, we're not the only one dealing with it. And yeah. so they're more worried about that. But see, now we're about to start football, hopefully in February. So now we're crunch time of like, we've been meeting on zoom, but I think staff meetings through zoom might be a new norm. Like we're not yeah. going to the garage anymore. We're going <laughs> to meet on zoom. We, um, we, we, we met in person every Sunday. Um, so we kept that normal for us, but back in the, um, Back in the spring, we we would meet on Zoom, both coaches and players. Um, I think we, I think we had position meetings with our guys about two times a week for about an hour over the course of the spring, um, and that, and that continued basically like from March when we got shut down all the way up until June when we were able to start working out again. Yeah, I, our head coach is his first year. He took the job in January. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I got hired in June and there was like a day where I couldn't be with the kids. I had to be on the golf cart with him driving around. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner because they want to wait for the fingerprint to go through, which we all knew it would. I've been working with kids for 12 years, but like we just had to wait. Right. And I keep asking, I'm like, aren't you glad you took the job in January, February? And I can't repeat what he tells me, but mm-hmm. he's, he's stressed to the max. With- I can imagine. That's, um, that's what happens to my, my buddies down at my old school at Northside. They, um, they brought in a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. They're changing, changing everything. And they got all this stuff going on. And then boom, the second week of March hits and, they don't get to see their kids anymore. Um, and so that's, that's tough. Like it was, it was hard for us um, with a bunch of starters coming back and, and our offensive and defensive systems already being in place. So I can only imagine, you know, what they were having to do with trying to install a new system on both sides of the ball and, you know, establish, trying to establish a new culture and a new style of leadership and all that stuff. So I can, I can only imagine what that kind of difficulty was like. Well, he's the D coordinator. So he's trying to install the four two five. So that's been tough. Yeah. Um, I'm the run game coordinator. Nice way to say you're the old line coach, but I'm the whatever. Our OC is the wide receivers quarterback. He worries about the pass. I worry about the run. So we're trying to install just a spread power run game. Like we're tight ends, H-backs, but we're spread. Trying to install that has been easy for me as an old line coach because I'm stupid and I'm simple. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to keep the rules the same. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing my job if I don't act. We don't talk X's and O's, I guess. I guess I'm not doing my job. I just like talking about other things other than X's and O's sometimes. No, I feel you. Like I had Coach Mac on, you know, the YouTube Coach Mac. Yeah. And before we recorded, he was like, you know, you can talk, ask me X's and O's, but if we talk things other than that, I'm fine because yeah. that's all he does. Right. Alica, we talked about WWE. We talked about he loves golf. And I'm like, he's like, nobody knows that, but I love golf. And I was like, oh, he goes, I'm just co- the YouTube Coach Mac guy. Yeah. Um. So, I'll just start with this. So, I love Inside Zone, and I didn't really run it till a couple of years ago. The school I was at that one went ten and one. Their bread and butter was Inside Zone and Trap. Mm-hmm. But our Inside Zone was not take a step to the right or left and go up the field. It was double teams everywhere. So we were double teaming the front side or you know whatever. So the nice. The, the, for people listening, it's like duo. You're just not blocking the end, and that's the way we went about it. So it's gap scheme stuff, but then it's zone stuff once you get to the backer. And at the school I'm at now, they want to run ISO. That's one of the plays they want. So for us, our ISO I got from Illinois College, it look, it's blocked like duo, basically. So for ISO right, we don't we – don't, my linemen aren't blocking the right backer. You know. Yeah. Our inserts, the H-back or tight end, wing, running back, whatever. 
and I try and the, the school doesn't want to run inside zone because they were so bad at it, I guess, for a couple of years. So the cockiness in me is like, no, I'm here. It's fine. I've been running inside <laughs> zone for years. Yeah. And they said, well, we don't have athletic linemen to take a step to the right or the left and go up the field and be one-on-one with a backer, you know, in space. And I said, I hear you. So here's the thing. You see this ISO play that I'm going to install today? And they said, yeah. They erased blocking the end and made them go get a backer. I said, there's our inside zone. They said, what? And I said, that's my inside zone. I know it's not technically inside zone, but for me, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Do I sound like an idiot to you for doing that? That's just what we do. Because we were like, if we don't have athletic linemen, we want to double team and then get to the backer. We want, we'd rather get four yards on this run play and then get sacked or get hit in the backfield because we're not going where we need to go. Yeah, I mean, I think you gotta, you know, you gotta be able to adjust and adapt uh, to what your kids do best. Um, I think the mistake a lot of coaches sometimes make is just going in there and say, you know, we're gonna do this no matter what. But um, I think it's you definitely have to adapt to, to what your kids are capable of. Um, and try to emphasize the skills that they have and so they can be successful. So what do you guys do? You guys are – that's another thing real quick. Me and Coach Max said, can you define a spread – he goes, can you define a spread team to me? <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's so many so many different definitions. I mean, I guess, you, you know, you might consider – I guess basically any team in shotgun now is a spread team. Well, don't tell the – so I, he told me that. We talked about that on the podcast. He was like – because I said something about being spread. And he goes, hold on. He goes, I'm going to ask you a question. He's like, what's spread? And I said, well, I guess when the quarterback lines up in shotgun, he goes, okay. So when they line up in shotgun and run triple option out of shotgun, they're a spread team then, right? If they bring a hand down tight end, are they still spread? And I started laughing. I was like, that's a good point. He goes, we needed to start defining offenses as, hey, I'm a heavy gap scheme with some RPO. I'm a heavy zone team with play action. Instead of like, I'm under center triple option or I'm a spread power run team. And I still yeah. do. I say, I'm worth power spread. We're a spread power run team. Like Steve, that's not what we are. We are a power run team with gap schemes, but we happen to have our quarterback at five yards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, I mean, we would mix it up a little bit. I mean, we would, we'd line up in empty. We line up in, you know, two by two and three by one, a fair number, but um, we could also bring a tight end and H back in the game. If we needed to get down and dirty with some stuff. So um, we were a little, we were a little bit of, a little bit of a mix of both, I guess you could say. Um, we would kind of, we were able to use our personnel um, in whatever we felt like would put us in an advantageous situation in that regard. So, like, what would be your bread and butter for, like, a, since you're the line coach, like, for runs? Like, what was your guys' bread and butter? So, last year, our bread and butter was wide zone. Um, okay. We averaged over eight yards of carry on it. Um, this year, we were still pretty good at it. Uh, we weren't quite as good. Um but this year we were definitely more of a, an inside zone and a, and a counter team. So if you're inside zone, were you traditional? Like we're moving this way up the field. Yeah. So if we're, running, if we're running inside zone, if we're running inside zone, right, everybody's driving off their left foot. They're, okay. they're, they're starting, they're starting their initial zone tracks to the right. Uh, and then they adjust their technique based on the alignment of the defenders in front of them. That includes defensive linemen as well as linebackers. And then with your wide zone, you need to educate me. So I'm not a big fan of wide zone, and I'll tell you why. I never really ran it until a couple years ago when the coach wanted it, and we did. But they already had it installed before I got there, and so I just did what they did. And you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. So it's hard to do on camera. So, like, if we're running wide zone, we're going to the right. We're kind of, like, opening up our shoulders all the way and moving that way, trying to get to the next guy, you know, and going up. And I didn't like it because I don't like opening up the shoulders towards the sideline. I don't want to give up ground to get ground, if that makes sense. 
And so I was like, I kind of don't like this. And then like, I don't like having the lineman go like this and then turn up. Like I'd rather see what's going on. Yeah. So we, we never use the verbiage gang, give up or lose down, lose ground to gain ground. I, I never use that phrase. I don't, I don't particularly care for it, but the, the, how we taught our wide zone was that every, every offensive lineman is trying to get their backside hand down the next defender's sternum. And they're trying to drive their backside knee through the next defender's crotch. Uh, and so what I teach our guys is your, your angle is determined by the alignment of the defender. Um, so if I'm a right tackle and I've got a tight five technique on me, I don't have to open up to get my backside hand down his sternum and my backside knee down his, his crotch. Um, I, can, I can be much more square and I can be much more patient with it. Um, whereas if I'm the right guard and, and there's nobody in B-gap, well, the next down lineman is that five technique. Well, if I'm the right guard, I do have to open up. I've, I've got to I've, I, I talk about setting your hips on the angle. Um, you've got to get your hips on the angle to get to that next guy. Uh, and so if you if you watch teams that run a lot of wide zone, what you'll notice is if you look at the butt shot and you pause it, you know, a couple of a couple of seconds or a couple of steps after the play started, you'll be able to tell who was uncovered and who was covered by the start of the play. Um, and that's the that's the basic thing we start with is teaching covered uncovered rules. Um, because you're not gonna you're not gonna use the same technique if you've got a down lineman on top of you versus if you don't. Um, and so you can watch you can watch the play and pause it after a couple of steps and tell who was covered and who was who was uncovered. Because the uncovered guys are gonna have their hips on a flatter angle to get to the next defender, whereas the guys who are covered are gonna have their hips at a more vertical angle because the guy's already right there. Um, so that's that's how I teach to our guys. That's a very a very very basic. Um, very fast crash course right there. But uh, for us, it's all about getting my backside hand down the sternum of the defender. And it's all about getting my backside knee through the crotch of the defender. And once I get there, now I'm pressing vertical. I'm not, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to run around a guy and just, and just swing my butt. I want to press through him. I want to take, I want to displace him on that angle. Um, and so that's how we teach it. Um, it's, I, I don't, I don't use the phrase, bucket step. I don't say lose ground to gain ground. I say drive off your backside foot, get your hips on whatever angle it is you need to get your hips on to get your backside hand down that guy's sternum and to get your knee down his crotch. Um, and so I, I give them that coaching cue and then they go. I didn't mean to pitch. I don't tell the guys lose ground to get ground. It's just the coaches. I'm like, that's what it looks like. So I didn't mean to piss you off there. I'm like, oh, I just pissed him off. No, no, no. I've just, I did that phrase has never made any sense to me. Like, it's just, that doesn't make any sense. I understand what people are. I understand what people want, but that there's, there's better ways to communicate that idea. Uh, what's your, what people are really wanting when they say lose ground to gain ground is they are wanting the play side foot basically to drop back so that you get uh, a, a, a shin angle that you need to basically go and create force and sprint. Um, and that's, one of the other things I talk about with our guys is if you're, we talk about if you're an uncovered guy, we talk about toe strike. Um, and so if, if you are uncovered, you're driving off that backside foot, that play side foot is going to drop back, I guess. But it's not because it's not about the foot. It's about the hips. Okay. Your foot is dropping back because your hips are turning. Right. So now my hips are turning this way. So yeah, my foot is naturally going to drop back. Now my play side foot is under my hips. I've got I've got a shin angle, right? That's going to allow me to, to drive just like a sprinter would, 
right? Mm-hmm. If you if you pause a, a good wide zone play, you know maybe uh, after right right as that right as that play side foot's getting in the ground, that those shin angles and their lower body should look basically just like a sprinter would coming out the blocks, right? The back leg's going to be mostly straight just because they because they pressed off of their midfoot, they're driving off their backside foot. And now that that play side leg is you're going to have that that angle right there where that toe is getting in the ground and they are sprinting over to the next guy. Okay. See, you described it good enough for me. Like that's so simple enough for me. I'm like, I get it. Like now I feel bad saying giving up ground to get ground. I don't tell the kids that, but it's just the way I first looked at it, I'm like, wait a minute. But I'm young and stupid at the time, so I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, I I know what I know what coaches want when they say that, but there's better ways to coach it because it's not it's not about the it's not about putting your foot somewhere so much as it is about getting your hips on the appropriate angle, um, and that's kind of it's kind of funny. Uh, Coach Blazer, one of my good buddies on Twitter, he you know was talking about this earlier today on Twitter about um, a lot of a lot of people see it as a quote unquote false step because the uh-huh. offensive lineman is is stepping underneath themselves. Well, yeah, you have to step underneath yourself for that particular technique because in order to create momentum and create force and acceleration that way your foot has to be under your hips so you can drive you you cannot you cannot push right you cannot drive and create force through the ground if your foot is in front of your hips it's just that doesn't work it's not how the body works Um, at that point at that point you're more pulling than anything um, and that does not create optimal force you've got to get that foot underneath your hips so that now you can create momentum going in the direction you want to go. Well, it creates momentum. And then I, I think it stops you from getting a wide, like your feet so far away from your shoulders. Correct. I, I try to teach it. I try to teach certain blocking schemes. Cause I coach basketball. I'm like, when I teach defense and basketball, you don't want your feet so far from your hips because now you don't have that center to push off where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another people need to think about that. Like, do you want your feet so wide apart where you don't have power and you can't move? Or to get to where you need to go, you have to take that. That's old school thinking now. Like you have to take this step and this step. Well, it's like you have to adjust to take this step so they can get power and go this way. Yeah, that's we don't we don't ever do like we we do we do it as kind of part of like a pregame warm up just again to kind of get the body flowing. But we don't ever like in practice start with all right here we're gonna do our six inch steps. I'm gonna blow the whistle and you're gonna do your six inch step, and then we're gonna I'm gonna blow two whistles and you're gonna do two six inch steps. We don't. I don't do that um, because it's it's I don't know, just don't just don't do it. Um, we we get on the we get on the sled for pre practice um, just again kind of get the muscles firing. Um, I know people like say you got to live and you got to live and die on the sled. Um, I think it has its purpose or whatever. But um, we'll get on the sled. We'll hit it for for about ten minutes or so pre practice, and then and then that's it. Um, we're not gonna. I'm not going to sit there and drive the sled, you know, a hundred yards for 45 minutes of practice for an hour. Cause the sled doesn't move, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> the sled's not going to move. When I say hit, right. The sled doesn't move. Um, and so for us, there's, there's certain use you can get out of it. You know, like I said, the main thing is for us getting our, getting our, our butt muscles firing, getting our legs going and stuff or whatever. And we'll do some, we'll do some six point explosion on it. Um, we'll do some stuff just to kind of get us going, right. To get our, you know, get us going, get some contact or going, whatever. And, um, but I, I, uh, I don't use a lot of, I guess you would say the traditional coaching cues or coaching things or whatever, not saying that they're necessarily wrong. Um, but I think there are more efficient ways to get things done. Yeah. It's not back in the day where it was, we're going to hit the sled and you're going to go for 25 minutes 
And we're, yeah. we're we're so tired that when we get to team time, we're like we can't move anymore. <laughs> yeah. If if we if if our guys drive the sled, they're gonna make contact with the sled and drive it for three to four seconds max. Because I mean, that's about how long the football play lasts. Um, you know, maybe you know, maybe five, six seconds at most. Um, so that's just kind of my philosophy behind things. It just works on spacing, it works on hand placement, it works on being quick. And it should, like you said, it's meant to wake you up. It's meant to like work on hand placement, wake you up, move the feet, and we're done. Right. Then we're gonna work on what's important. We're gonna work on inside zone, we're gonna work on power, like we the stuff that means something. Not just hitting the sled and like what my school was, we had a sand pit, so we'd bear crawl in the sand pit too. Like that's the old school. Because that's totally relevant to O line play. No offense to my head coach, because like that was back in the day. We had two a days and stuff. So it's like we're gonna go in the sand pit and bear crawl, and you're gonna learn how to stay low because of the bear crawl. You're gonna get quicker feet because you're in the sand. And I'm like, okay, I understand the feet part. That's why people run in the sand, but doing it for 15 minutes because practice is two and a half hours, three hours. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds tough. Well, and I had we all had that mindset like these kids aren't tough anymore because they don't have two a days. And but then a part of me is like, are they smarter? Because how many concussions did we all probably have and just brushed it off? <laughs> yeah, well, every every generation likes to say that the generation that comes after them is soft. It's been going on for hundreds of years, so that some of that stuff frustrates the crap out of me uh, when I when I hear people saying that kids kids aren't soft. It's just it's just, it's just different. It's been that way for hundreds of years. Yeah, they're not soft, and we don't. We can. Like you said, you don't have to actually coach toughness, but it's just putting them in tough situations. You don't have to say, hey, we're going to go hit each other for a half hour, do Oklahoma drill for a half hour. It's, why don't we put you in a realistic situation? And you can translate that realistic situation to life. Because, like, right now, life is very tough. Oh, yeah. So if you learn in football, like, at a drop of a dime, you're going to be put in this tough situation. Well, this COVID thing, drop of a dime, we are all in a tough situation. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, what did that Oklahoma drill do for you for a half hour? And gave you a concussion <laughs> or two. You, or like you guys didn't earn uh, this was the best you don't earn a 20 a, a five minute water break you have to be back in 30 seconds it's like what oh yeah that's my my uh my, was it my freshman or sophomore my freshman year uh our coach got got mad one day at practice and told us we were because because we used to have we used to have the the water girls or whatever at practice and they would they would carry around the little you know six mm-hmm. six bottle carton of water and, and we could get we could get a shot in between drills or, or whatever it was and um he got pissed off one day and he banned the water on the practice field so there was no more water allowed on the practice field because we were using water as a crutch was his exact words yeah uh we never got water taken away but it might be like hey instead of taking a water break now we're going to do this drill first and then you'll get it so now it's extended another 10 minutes yeah. or it was you were over there for only like 30 seconds because back in the day we had the water jugs. We call it the pride land. That's where offensive line went. <laughs> and we, we had this huge tree because we're country folks. So right next to the practice, there's a corn or a cow farm. So that's where we're dealing with. So you have this big tree in the shade, the water jugs, the cups. In 30 seconds, you are not getting the water and stuff. So it turned into, we got the water put on our heads and then went. Yeah. I'm drinking. It was like, you lost, you lost your two minute water break. It's like 30 seconds. <laughs> If you do that now, you're fired. Like, yeah, it's not happening. And yeah, you gotta. You, with the, I know I'm not sure how hot it gets up there in Illinois at the hottest parts of the year, but down here in Georgia, it gets um, pretty darn hot. And so, you know, there's 
for us, you know, there's regulations that says for us, you know, if it's if it's breaches a certain temperature, you have to have, you know, this many water breaks and stuff like that. And like it's got to be on your it's got to be on your practice schedule and stuff. Where people can see that. So um, which obviously is smart. Um, obviously, the last thing anybody wants is to have, you know, a kid pass out and die, you know, due to heat exhaustion or something like that. So um, people can say what they want. I don't I don't think kids today are soft. Uh, come work with our kids. They're they're extremely tough. They're extremely resilient. Um, they are mentally and physically, uh, as tough as you could ask for. Um, so I don't, I, I, I don't just don't buy into that whole idea that, that kids are soft. And they might be soft if they're undisciplined. So if you have a team that's undisciplined, that looks soft because they're doing stuff they shouldn't do. If you structure things right and you're there for them and now they care, you, they know that you care about them. They're not soft. They're not going to do stupid things. So I think maybe that's where soft comes yeah. into play. Well, and again, I haven't been doing this as long as some other people, but from what I've observed, 90% of kids will will rise to the expectations and the standards that you set for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you set a clear standard and you hold them to that standard and you and you don't you know you don't fluctuate, the, most of the time the kids will rise to that standard as, as long as it's reasonable. And I think that I think the biggest problem that people have with kids today is that they're not able to explain why they ask kids to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, maybe the biggest difference between kids now and kids, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago is they want to know why. Um, and, and that's good. I think that's a good thing. Um, and as long as you can explain why, and as long as it's logical, um, then most of the time the kids will respond just in, in, a, in a positive way and they'll rise to the expectation. Um, but you can't get away with saying, well, because I said so anymore. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a good thing because I think it forces coaches to um, reevaluate their, their coaching cues and cause them to reevaluate um, why exactly they do certain things um, other than, well, we did it at my high school, so we're going to do it here. Um, so that's just kind of my two cents on the issue. The, we've always done it this way. This yes. is what we're going to do. Most dangerous words in football. I've been around that. That school I told you where we couldn't film practice. That's what I heard. Well, this is the. Let's put it to you this way: I was the only coach on staff not born and raised in that town. <laughs> yeah. So all I heard was, "Well, this is now so and so," and no offense, I love this is another good story. So, Coach Munkin at Army, his family is all from Illinois. His uncle is a legendary coach in that town, uh, Coach Bill Munkin. Now. They kept telling me, go back and look what he does. Go look at this monkin. Go look at this monkin. Go look at this monkin. This is the way we vote. And I heard that. Now I talked to Bill. He goes, do your own thing. Don't mm-hmm. do what we're doing. So then the argument became, well, then this other coach is how we've always done it. Why don't you do this? And that's all I heard. Yeah. And guess what? I said, this is probably why I left. I was like, oh, where's it gotten you? That's kind of what I said. They haven't mm-hmm. won any titles. They haven't made the playoffs since 2012. Yeah. Not trying to be mean. I look. There's great people there, but after about four years of taking it, you know, you kind of have to say something. I'm like, "Where has it gotten you?" And I'm an asshole, but I'm like, "It's kind of what it was." But yeah, it's the most dangerous words, and then that's how I could respond to it. I was like, "Well, you have to adapt." I'm not saying get rid of your core values. If you're a gap scheme team, don't just abandon and go to something else. Keep your core values, but there's ways to tweak things and adjust. Like. Oh. In the words of Dub Maddox, adapt or die. Right. And I, I tell people this all the time. We're not Alabama. 
Look at Nick Saban from the time he got to Alabama and look at Nick Saban now, how they've adapted. Yep. This sprint-based run stuff he wouldn't have done in 2011 or whatever. He's doing it now yep. because he's adapted. That's the spread offense you're seeing. I guess, well, I don't know if it's spread, but you some line up and shotgun every play. They didn't do that. Read his books. He wants to be an under center, eye formation, fullback, tailback run. Mm-hmm. Now he's adapted to it and said, well, this is what it's gone to. Like yeah. we can move the ball better. Yeah. Nothing against wing T and triple option, but for him, he's like, this is what we do. And I, I'm, I'm keeping a long time. I should do my job. So you guys are inside zone, outside zone, counter. You guys get into the RPO stuff, air raid passing and all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, we don't necessarily, we don't necessarily, I mean, we run some, some, I guess what you might consider air raid concepts. Um, we kind of have a mix of some of the West coast stuff and the air raid stuff, but we do do a lot of RPO stuff off our, off our stuff. Um, we were, we were, we were big this year in, um, in running the kind of that, I guess you could say that that five step slant or glance post or whatever you want to call it from the single to the boundary, kind of reading that weak safety. Um, that was a particularly good good one for us this this year. Yeah, and then we talked about taking the quick game air rate stuff, and that's also our RPO. We'll mm-hmm. just tag the inside zone, or they don't have inside zone right now. ISO or power, like hey, stick or inside zone stick. Yeah. So the wide receivers to them is you're running stick. Yeah. Nothing changes. The only thing that changes is linemen are going to run, run block, you know, and, and all that. And so that way you're not adding a play because we want to be simple. Right. Especially with our first practice is February 15th, first game of fifth. So we literally yeah. have no time trying to yeah. install a Zoom, trying to do that. Um, so for you guys, do you guys do do similar things, or do you have like your own RPO plays, or is it like you marry it off of quick game? Yeah, we we usually will just tag something with our run concept. Um, we'll tag maybe a a bubble screen or a or a or a little hitch route or a slant or something like that. We just we just tag whatever it is we need. I think coaches need to hear that because they want to do quick game and then they want to go look at. No offense to Brent Dearman, he has some RPO plays. They want to go look at that and say, well, this is our RPO plays. And I'm like, well, now you're adding something. The linemen are fine because it's the same, but it's overall more confusing, I think, or you're just adding more. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the simplest way to do your RPOs is just make sure you're protected C gap to C gap, and then and then tag whatever it is that you that you want to throw, um, and 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 you know give your quarterback a, a a way to teach him, you know, to let him know. And you also got to kind of decide, you know, do you want to be a pre-snap RPO team? Do you want to be a post-snap RPO team? Do you want to have a little bit of both? Um, and so just kind of go through teaching your quarterback how to understand which side is his pre-snap read, which side is his post-snap read. Um, and again, the biggest thing is to keep it simple for the OL. And so just tagging stuff with your base runs is probably the simplest way to do it. You just got to make sure you're protected C-gap to C-gap um, if you're going to throw something maybe down the field. Um, like I, I don't like the, I don't like running inside zone with a stick and leave the defensive end unblocked and try to throw a stick route, um, because some of the defensive linemen that we see here in seven A ball in Georgia, um, if you leave them unblocked, they're gonna hit your quarterback, um, and he might get the ball off, but he's gonna get hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, if we were gonna do something like that, we'd we'd run like divide zone, um, where yeah. what some people may call split zone, 
Um, so that way I've got all I've got C gap to C gap is blocked. Quarterback is responsible for the D gap run fitter. Um, and that way, if, if that guy blitzes, you know, unless he just lines up on the line of scrimmage, uh, in which case you just, you know, take it, take it now. Um, but he, if he blitzes from space, he's not going to get to the quarterback before the ball is thrown. He's not going to really be able to get a hit on the quarterback. You're seeing a huge split zone uh, thing going on right now. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. They do that split zone. I call it split zone release for that guy just to go. That is all the rage now. That's all you're seeing people research. Like, I want to research split zone. I'm like, people have been doing it for years. Yeah. Auburn has done it for years. Well, maybe not now because Gus is gone, but he's got to get a job, right? See, I'm, I'm jumping around. He's got to go. He won't, he might take the year off. Yeah. I don't know. He may, may get one of those well paying analyst jobs. Who knows? Right. I, I say Nick Saban should hire him. Yeah, I mean, he, Nick's Nick's done that before. He hired um, God, what was the guy? Butch Jones. He had him on staff, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's precedent for that. People are saying no, he won't because you know Auburn versus Alabama thing, and I'm like, I don't think Nick would care too much because he's going to come in and call a good offense. I don't think he'd care about the Auburn thing. Yeah, um, money money usually talks. <laughs> money talks, and getting baptized to the Lord at Alabama to get your <laughs> career back on track yeah, absolutely absolutely seems to be uh seems to have a good track record for that stuff except for sarkeesian's taking a lot of that staff with him yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see what he does at texas for sure and then i saw today urban meyer's probably gonna be jacksonville jaguars yeah that'll uh i think that'll be interesting to see if um if they take fields over lawrence with him going there that's the question i don't know who he would because if he doesn't take fields, is he going to get a lot of heat from Ohio State? Yeah, who knows? It will be interesting to see, that's for sure. Got to love that coaching carousel. But he's trying to – he might bring the whole Ohio State staff with him. Uh, yeah, I've heard he's, I heard he's um, kind of already got most of his guys assembled that he wants if he gets the job. Because yesterday it was they're talking, and then today I saw he's assembling a staff. Mm-hmm. So if he gets the whole staff, then I think he'll say yes. And they're going to pay him a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I kind of wanted him to go to Notre Dame because that's where he wants to go. Oh, really? Because he coached there as a wide receivers coach, and then that's one of the places on his list. Oh, that'd be interesting for sure. Now I'm an asshole. He's almost had heart attacks at Florida and Ohio State. What's going <laughs> to happen in the NFL? I don't know. Maybe that's the uh, maybe it's that time to recover. I guess that money makes those problems go away. Yeah, I don't know. I told somebody that the other – I was on a podcast the other day. I was like, he'll die on the sideline at NFL. He can't handle the Florida and Ohio State. What's going to happen? <laughs> and I'm an asshole, though, so I'm like, oh. But you're right. If he's getting $12 million or more or whatever it is, like, it's, he's fine. Yeah, and you don't have to necessarily deal with some of the same issues you deal with in college the NFL level. Right. He's going to have people do it for him. Yeah. And he just ha- he just has to be the face, really. Like, hey, run this offense. You guys can do this defense. I'm just going to be the face and manage. Absolutely. That's all I have to do. All right, Coach. Well, I've taken a lot of your time, so I appreciate it. We didn't need to do a lot of X's and O's, but I was – I like conversation more than – Oh, yeah. I mean, like kind of like you said, you, you can get X's and O's from us anywhere, so it's good to, good to you know, talk about some other things and kind of how people do things in different places yeah, outside of the X's and O's. And – I know you have a voice already on social media, but like I've had coaches out here that don't. 
and they thank me. They're like, I never thought I would do a podcast. I'm like, I'll talk to anybody. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I love talking ball now. Yeah, and that's why the, my podcast was originally called the Sideline Podcast with Coach Teeth because I was like, it has to be football, right? So what's the name? The Sidelines. And then I found myself, I pigeonholed myself to just be football, which is nothing wrong with that. But like, I coach basketball. I love Marvel movies. I love yeah this. And so I changed it to the Coach Steve show. So like, I have a podcast episode on here. Me and my friend from high school, we talked about um, Marvel. He loves movies. He loves yeah. the movie theater. And that's where, I think that was the turning point for me was coaches are more than just coaches. They're more than just X's and O's. There's, yeah, philosophy. Sure. there's philosophy. There's culture. There's this. Coach Mack loves WWE for people I didn't know. He loves Metallica. I had to open up his show when I recorded it afterwards. He goes, put a Metallica song when it first comes on. So it is. I put, I was like, I have to find one. Yeah. And I can't post it on YouTube because of copyright things, but on my podcast yeah. I can. Yeah. Uh, I guess the last question is, who's going to win with Bama and Ohio State? No, Alabama. It's, I mean, I, it's, Ohio State's good, but I mean. It's at the end of the day, the game comes down to Jimmy's and Joe's. And Alabama just had seven of their Jimmy's win the 15 of the best Jimmy Awards. So, like, it's, I mean, like I said, Ohio State's a good team right now. It's, uh, this may be the best offensively. This is probably the best Alabama team they've ever had. Who knew when we said Alabama, we'd think offense before defense? Right. That's just nature of the game now. And I hate Ohio State. I said they shouldn't have been in the playoff. I said that from the get go. Uh, and if if you remember a couple of years ago, which maybe hurts you guys because you're in Georgia, but that year Alabama played Clemson the first round as like the revenge game from the championship from before. Alabama spent all their energy on that game, mm-hmm. and they had to play Georgia, and Georgia should have won that game. Actually, I think. Yeah, that's a, those are tough memories. Definitely should have won that game. But see, I'm a Nick Saban fan, so I guess I'm an Alabama. I have an Alabama hoodies and stuff, but I'm a Nick Saban fan. But I do like Georgia. I love – I root for Georgia until mm-hmm. the Alabama game. But I watching that game, I still remember to this day, I was like, Georgia's not tired. They did not spend all their energy like Alabama just did. Yeah. So I feel like that's happening now. Ohio State played all their energy into that Clemson game. Yeah, that was a heck of a game. Justin Fields had to play his best game of his life <laughs> with, with five broken ribs. Yeah. And now you're about to play Alabama. And you gave Nick Saban 11 days to look mm-hmm. at this. And they didn't spend all that energy to beat Notre Dame. Yeah. So I have Bama, I have Bama by 10. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it's that close. Well, I'm just – I took Clemson. I said from the get-go, I talk so much shit. I was like, Clemson's going to win by – it was going to be a 45-17 or a 38-17. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. But having a play caller, people don't realize that play caller being gone changed a lot. Yeah, and that's hard to gauge Ohio State with them only playing six games too. So, well, yeah, people were. I told people he was right though. Like that's actually an advantage for Ohio State. You only have six games to watch on us, and we have eleven on you. Right. So I, Bama will win. I just say ten because I don't know what Ohio State. It depends on which Ohio State team shows up. But Justin Fields being hurt. There's no way he's going to come back and run all over the field being with that shot. Yeah, a lot depends on uh, on, on his health for sure. And he, I don't think he still knows what's wrong. I don't think they've told him. They're probably like, you have to play. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't, did they say if like he has broken ribs or not, or did they are they kind of keeping that on the hush hush? I, I haven't seen anything. I figured that'd be like headline news. Yeah, they probably kind of keep that keep that uh, on the on the low. But he said at halftime when he went in, he's like, "We didn't do any X-rays. They didn't tell me nothing. They gave me a shot of something, and yes. uh, I went." And Ryan Day said the same thing. He laughed. He goes, "They took care of him. He's back on the field." So like, he doesn't want to know. He's yeah. like, I, I don't want to know. Understandable. And then you got Bama that can score 50 points. Mm-hmm. And Mac Jones is the best check down quarterback I've ever seen. Now look who he's throwing to. But yeah. like he goes to his progression. Mike Leach would love him. You know, <laughs> progression, progression running back. Yeah. They're rolling right now. That's for sure. Well, all right. So you have Bama. I've got Bama. You got Bama by more than 10. I'm saying 10 just because I don't want to look like an idiot again. <laughs> Because I I even said Bama by forty at Notre Dame. Yeah, they probably could have gotten there if they wanted to. Yeah, Nick Saban owes me money. I said <laughs> plus nineteen or whatever, and or minus nineteen. I'm like, he owes me like ten bucks. Yeah, I think he can afford it, right? You can probably me. probably so. I think he can spare a few bucks. All right, Coach. Well, I appreciate you coming on here. Thank you so much. Um, everybody out there, stay safe. Wear a mask so I know I can play football and basketball. And I'll see you guys next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.